This episode is brought to you by KG Productions for Krishna Nose. Very good morning. Jai Shri Krishna Guru. Thank you for joining Shri Guru Charitra Parayan. Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Om Shri Ganeshaya Namaha Om Shri Saraswataya Namaha Om Shri Guru Dattatre Namaha Om Shri Mahalakshmi Namaha Guru Brahma Guru Vishnu Guru Devo Maheshwaraha Guru Sakshat Parabrahma Tasmai Shri Guru Ve Namaha Shri Guru Charitra Parayan. We'll continue from where we stopped, that is chapter 7. Gokarna Stala Mahatmyam. So if you recollect, we were doing a story of a king who killed a Rakshasa and due to a curse, a revenge which the Rakshasa's brother had taken on him, he had to be born as a, he had to become a Brahma Rakshasa. And when he was a Brahma Rakshasa, again, he killed a Brahmin and, you know, he ate the uh, Brahmin and his the Brahmin's wife again cursed the king that is the Brahm who was a Brahma Rakshasa saying that he will have to uh, suffer the consequences of what he has done. So this lady curses the Brahma Rakshasa saying that if he ever were to um, sorry let me read the last bit of it Yeah, so here I'm just going to read the summary of the story so that you remember where we stopped. The king, after the expiry of the curse period of 12 years, was rid of the form of Brahma Rakshasa. Having become normal again, he returned to his kingdom. He confided to the king, sorry, to the queen, the curse of the Brahmin woman. Hearing so, the queen was heartbroken as the prospect of her getting a son was now doomed. So what was the curse? He says the... Okay, the curse is that at this the wife of the Brahmin who was then suddenly widowed because of the bloodthirstiness of the Rakshasa cursed him saying, although after the expiry of 12 years you are going to get back your human form, if you try to court the pleasure of your wife, you will instantly drop down dead. So this was the curse which the Brahmin woman had done to the Rakshasa who was the king himself. Now, because of which they go on a pilgrimage as advised by the priests. Now, while, while they were on the pilgrimage, they meet sage Gautama and then the king and the queen appeal to them. So, the sage guides them and instructs them to go and do her parihar or go to the holy, uh, holy stall of Gokarna. Now, he, while he was saying that, he is giving a story to the king how uh, sorry, what is the profoundness of this holy place, Gokarna Mahabaleshwar? So, sage Gautama told the king that he should visit the holy Gokarna. His pilgrimage to the holy place would expiate his sin for certain. The sage, the sage said that all the gods, even all the celestial beings, make pilgrimage to Gokarna for expiating their sins and to earn merit. He said that even Brahma and Vishnu visited the holy place and did penances for a long time in order to earn merit. Now, the sage is going to narrate a new story. Let us understand what is it. Now, this is a story within a story. The sage cited instances of the incomparable redeeming power of the holy place. 
the greatest sins like killing or causing the death of a brahmin a cow etc could be expiated by pilgrimage to and worship at gokarna he narrated the following incident which he himself had witnessed just a few days ago the sage saw a low caste woman at gokarna she was blind and was suffering from a dreadful disease she was very exhausted and was very ang very hungry she begged for food but could not manage to get anything due to exhaustion and hunger she died as soon as as she died messengers of shiva came near her in a celestial vimana to take her to kailash but at the same time the messengers of yama also arrived there both the groups were laying their claims on the jeeva of the dead woman gautama inquired of them as to why this conflict and confrontation should arise between them the yamaduta said that the woman was a very sinful person the sins she committed in her life was gravest and what she deserved were only the tortures and fires of hell but the shivduta said that although she had committed many sins yet as she died she had died at the holy gokarna lord shiva had granted her kailashapada and had sent them to fetch for her wow imagine how benevolent and gracious the divine beings are just imagine she left her mortal being on you know this mortal body on the holy place of gokarna and then immediately the shivdutas arrived over there and you know that's one of the reasons why many people go to kashi and they want to leave their body there it is believed that they will at again achieve lord shiva or they will go to heaven once you leave your mortal body in the holy kashi or even if you can cremate you know get your body cremated there and then they you know uh, do the visarjan in not visarjan um, the the shrad ceremony um, and then they immerse the ashes of the uh, body into holy ganga so it's again believed that you attain the um heavens that is the only reason why they do this or they say you attain moksha there is no more being born again on this planet earth so it is a belief but this is not a belief alone that is the truth how uh, however you know how sorry however gravest of the sins you might have committed or whatever your karmas might be but since you are on that holy place you have the grace of the divine what does it tell you it also tells you that the the divine beings bestow their grace upon everybody equally there is no good and bad in their world they only care about everybody's well being they are compassionate they are always forgiving this is the truth about how you can overcome all of your karmic you know uh, karmic sins or kar- all your karmic um i'm sorry i forgetting the right word all your karmas which is accumulated for many lifetimes it can be overcome by the grace of this divine beings but please remember you can attain heaven but somewhere those karmas are still not expiated because that that transaction is not complete so you will have to be born again and that is why it is extremely important to expiate your karma with the grace of the god and most important when you have your guru in your life what does your guru teach how does he 
teach you to expiate your karma. It is very simple. It's very simple but yet we don't understand. When you do nishkama karma, you will expiate not only the prarabdha karma for which you have taken this human birth but also you will not accrue or accumulate any karma in, for the future. There is no sanchit getting uh, accumulated. So you are completing. There is no accruals happening. Whether it is good or bad, both doesn't get accrued. And most important, forget about the bad part, but what is the Guru teaching you? The Guru teaches you how to be a divine being, how to be your good self, which means you are not going to you are not going to get into that sins, you know, where you have to come to repay. Can you believe here the Brahmin or the king because of his one action, the passion for hunting, what did the, the story begin with? The king had a habit which is an intense passion for hunting and due to that what happened? He ended up killing a Rakshasa unknowingly and it was not intended. Then because of that one action, whether you do it knowingly or unknowingly, you are incurring uh, too many karmas. It is not just you, but there are too many people going to get involved in that. So that is why my Krishna Guruji will always teach us, do not get into karmic debt, you know, debt with anyone. It, whether it could be even this body's parents, some any association, it could be at work, it could be anywhere in the world. It is not important to get you know, attached to this body's uh, actions. It is not important at all. And then what happens? When you, when you perform any action, then directly or indirectly, you're attracting karma and into bondage with everybody. Which means for reaping that karma, you have to be born again. And it's not necessary that the same person is going to be born in that life. So everybody, for everyone to come together, then you have to be born in many lifetimes. That is why the rebirths are continuous. It's, it's not just one time. It's a process by itself. And then every life you are born, you add new karmas. Additional karmas get added. So like an example here, as a Rakshasa, the Brahma Rakshasa, he had a curse that after 12 years, he will, you know, get back his human form. But during that period of 12 years as a Brahma Rakshasa, what did he do? He ended up killing the Brahmin, which is, he's performed a new action that was not even meant to be. But as the Rakshasa, his, his nature was to kill and eat anybody, those who come on his way. But because of that nature, and what happens? He ended up killing a Brahmin. Had he listened to the plea of the Brahmin's wife, that action wouldn't have been performed. But please remember, everything is a Leela. Everything is here depicted so that you can understand the truth about how this karmic loop is very a uh, deep entanglements. How, you know, it's like a embedded mesh. It's a mesh within a mesh. You cannot even understand the connections or how uh, what are the repercussions of it and what kind of cascading effects effect it has so don't even get into that this is a subject nobody can teach even the great masters will not discuss this with you because it is beyond a human mind's can and understanding you cannot understand and especially with your mind you cannot even understand so let's not even get into that subject which is not part of our journey we only know that it is a transaction which needs Every karma has to be repaid. It's, it's a repayment. Like a bank, you take a loan, you have to give it back. Similarly, here also is the story. Whether it is good or bad, the repayment has to happen. 
those are the laws of karma so that is why the gurus teach when you have certain nature how to curb the nature how to always be uh, you know on the path of righteousness so that you don't commit any kind of wrong actions meaning unrighteous actions forget about righteous uh, the righteousness will lead you to god which was leading you to sattva and when you attain the devotion love and devotion to the divine when you have the guru he you know he just wipes out all your karma both good or bad he will literally minus it off but as a body for this life you will have to go through your prarabdha karma there are no two ways about it the only thing that the guru does is he cushions it he cushions and you cannot even know the impact imagine you are only facing the 10% of that impact and i have said this many a time while we are while we did sai satcharitra parayan in that baba also says you know how he is saving the disciples and devotees by telling them not to perform certain actions it's they are cushioned the guru the gurus cushion the karma of those who have you know surrendered unto them and that time what happens the 90% of the impact is not felt by you and only the 10% is felt but that also we think oh my god i am suffering so much i am having so much trouble i i don't know what to do it feels like that because then imagine the true reality what could have been what kind of impact would you have felt but be very grateful and thankful to this great divine masters who manifest and wear themselves out for our sins we need to be very grateful see this whole guru charitra is talking how to be devoted to such a great master how to attain this guru bhakti how to surrender unto him and how to do seva guru seva is the most important thing and in this chapter and the stories to come about you will learn different different you know leelas and and stories which talk about how do you serve your guru what kind of a disciple you have to be how do you attain that guru bhakti all that is being very nicely described and i'm sure you'll enjoy as much as i'm going to enjoy too so coming back so it's important that you don't commit a karma imagine this one anger right that rakshasa got very angry the king killed him so he said to his brother take a revenge and that brother ended up doing something else you know he went and cooked the human meat and it was served to the priest and the priest was very angry all the priests right vashishta muni got very angry and the curse came out of their mouth before even knowing the truth that the king was innocent he did not do any such thing but what happened one action led into so many different things now what now from that action there's another action cascading effect it is endless and that is why we don't understand this karma at all we think we are just saying something or doing a simple action but we don't know the repercussions what is involved in that this is what the human beings don't understand so this story this lesson here this entire leela is taught to us so that we understand and realize and not perf- perform any kind of you know karmic the you know any kind of action that was going to put us in a karmic loop it's not that is not what you want to get into so always speak good think good and do good alone that is why it is important that my krishna guruji will teach us be your good self why does he think he is going to keep on saying this so that it has to enter our brain sorry the mind some day and it will embed in us that we have to be our good self and this morning my krishna guruji gave a very beautiful lesson a simple lesson he said the whole world is like you know it's like the muck it's like the lotus flower right it is growing in that muck it is bloomed in that muck but is that lotus flower 
touched by whatever is happening around it? No. It's standing alone and it's shining beautifully. Are you seeing the dirt around it? Or are you only seeing that lotus flower? Yeah, we admire the beauty of the lotus flower. That is why Lord Shri Krishna is always referred to as like a, he lives his life like a lotus leaf. What does it mean? The water is untouched on it. He is always the greatest thing on this planet Earth, on this entire universe. Nobody is as great as him. Nobody. Except him alone. Why? Because he has achieved these qualities. That is why he is supreme divine consciousness, supreme personality of Godhead. He is the epitome of epitome of everything. He is a personification of personification. Sorry, I don't know how adequately can I describe him. So I'm just saying certain things to say how great he is. His goodness is, you can't even measure. You can't even live even 1% of his goodness. That is what we have to follow. Why are these examples taught to us so that we become the divine beings? We become our good self. It is extremely important. And most important, anger is a doorway to help. Because in anger, you can say whatever comes to your mind. And when you say that, then the repercussions are dime a dozen, which we don't understand. The opposite person may not receive it well. And they are, on the contrary, are going to curse you, do all sorts of actions. And then they're going to do something to somebody. We don't know what can happen. And that is why it is important to curb our anger, you know, shut our mind and shut our mouth, not to speak. That is why my Krishna Guruji will always say, silence is the only mantra that I will teach. Don't open your mouth. Be, stay silent. Even if you see something wrong happening, it is not for us to go and get ourselves into that karmic bond loop. We are not in, going to get into karma with anybody. We are not interested. We are not interested in changing the world. We have to set an example so that the world can follow. How? By becoming our good self. So the lesson he taught this morning was this. That see, in this world, there are people at different powers. They can be whatever they want to be. But you don't have to become them. Just because somebody is being mean to you or nasty to you or not doing certain things or saying certain bad things, right? It doesn't mean that you, you are that. So he said, you stand out like Lord Sri Krishna. You, you become that lotus. You become that Kamal. It's beautiful. So why don't you become that? But to become that, you have to go through that grinding. To be, becoming great is not easy. He said, in, in, the, more, in the material world, it's only one in, a, one in a billion do you have one great leader or one in a million. We don't know the number. It's just it's one leader who, who shines like that. And in spiritual, he said one in a gazillion who will become that divine. Can you see the difference? My God. Which means to attain the, to attain the godliness is not easy. That is what he's saying. Because we have to live and breathe. Why? Because we get so attached to our mind, body, senses, everything that is happening around. We get bogged down by that. The most important and beautiful thing in life to attain is God-realization. When you are devoted to the divine, when you have surrendered, just sleepwalk the life. He will sail you through. Have that much faith. He knows what you are going through. So don't let that doubt assail your mind. Don't let that mind, you know... Create that wall between you and your divine. Have that absolute conviction in the divine. Overcome this mind of yours by extraordinary effort. That is why to control the mind, we require extraordinary effort. It is not so easy. And, uh, and this morning I was telling my Krishna Guruji, imagine even being in spiritual, it is so difficult to control the mind. What happens in the material world? People, for those who don't know what... Uh, spirituality is or how to control their mind they're lost in their own world now i understand why people do certain things and we we there's no way we can blame them because mind is ruling them 
So my Krishna Guruji made a simple fun. No, no, no. My, in the material world, it is easy. You know what he said? Ah, they'll go to psychiatrists. <laughs> that is what happens. And then what do you do? What does the psychiatrist do? He's trying to tell you how to overcome your mind? No. He's only, it's it's a psychological effect, right? You go to shrink, you, go, you meet the psychiatrist and try to uh, fix your troubles. But it's not going to, it's only a momentary. So there is no permanent remedy for it unless and until you the Guru finds you and then he puts you on the path. And please remember, on this path of spirituality, it is even more easier to fall down because your mind is going to instigate you against your Guru, against the Divine Lord Almighty. That is the process. Why? Because the mind doesn't want you to overcome. Uh, it doesn't want you to control it. It wants to be in control of you. And so it's going to do all sorts of things using its power and everything in its own capacity to, you know, destroy that faith in the divine. So it will put a lot of doubts. The mind is going to become even more stronger. The more you resist it, the more stronger it's going to become. Many things happen. I think we did this again very beautifully explained in Devi Mahatmyam. Even in Sai Baba's Poti, you can go and, you know, go read once more. You can go listen to the satsang once more. You'll understand how important it is to you know control the mind. Overcome nobody can. Like even Lord Shri Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, the only thing you can do is you will be able to control. It is my conviction that I believe that you will be able to control, provided you put extraordinary effort, deep sadhana, and you have to chant the Guru Mantra. Hmm, one secret I will tell you. Come what may, you might be very angry, you might be upset, you might not want to do anything, you might have bad thoughts going in your mind. I'll tell you the only remedy is take the Hari Bol, take his name, chant his name. And if you have a guru, the real master, and if he has given you a Khan Mantra, chant that, ceaselessly chant that. I'm telling you, it'll, it's magical. You will be able to overcome that, it is my conviction, it's my faith. My Krishna Guruji has taught me this. No matter what happens, just take his name. You know the... Sorry. The moment you just take... Just say Krishna. It's magical. So whatever the Guru Mantra, even take your name of your Guru, that is magical. It washes away everything around you. It purifies your being. It purifies your heart. It purifies your thoughts. It's so powerful. The power of the word of the lord the name of the lord you cannot understand its greatness that is why we say nam japa japa means chanting your heartbeat has to just chant the name of the divine your subconsciously you're only chanting the name of the divine your thoughts can come everything can come that is a part of the mind's nature see the mind has its own mind it's got its own nature it doesn't matter but when you ceaselessly chant the name of the lord Whatever the Guru Mantra your Guru has imparted to you, just chant that magic happens. Even if you don't have a Guru, even if you don't know anything, whoever is your Ishta, that name, just take that name of the divine, magic happens. But you need to have that absolute conviction and faith. This is the truth. I am saying this to you with my own experience. This is how I, I keep doing. Even in anger, even whatever might happen, I only take his name. It's very, very beautiful. Like I told you, my initiation happened in a very unique way, my Khan Mantra. When I listened to the heartbeat of my Krishna Guruji, it chanted the divine name. That is the greatness of this. That is the truth. 
that to some of you understand that they are the real masters and to me it was magical i i don't know how to even comprehend that experience i can't even you know adequately describe it there no words can describe you have to just experience it and remember everybody's experience is in their own way it's what you associate your guru or the god with you that in that association or in that depthness is what you will experience so i'm only saying based on my experience and understanding this is even you can't understand with your mind this is beyond the human mind can and understanding that is the truth so coming back and also please know that when this when uh, gautam sage gautama told about this parihar also know that this is the way the atharva veda also came into existence what does it mean in atharva veda they have given why these rituals these how do you do you know atonement for sins for the sacrileges that you have committed how do you overcome some of these sins and what kind of parihar parihar means there is a remedy that needs to be done so that you can get out of that curse and go on your path you can be free from that curse so that is what atharva veda also teaches again i am not going to go deep i am not somebody who knows much but i know what does it mean so her past story was as follows the woman in her previous birth was born in a brahmin family her name was saudamini she was very beautiful and charming when she was 10 years old she was married but her husband died only after a few years of the marriage in course of time unable to control her sensuous desires and passions of youth she yielded to to and started living with a vani vani means merchant from her neighborhood she also got addicted to drink and other evil habits once after drinking wine in her intoxication she killed a calf for food mistaking it for a goat so this is called gohatya and gohatya is a greatest sin as per our sanatan dharma as per our holy scriptures because go is you know uh, cow and cow we represent lord shri krishna himself we say golok golok the um, the planet of i wouldn't say the planet but uh, it's the abode of cow you can say that golok vrindavan say so that is where lord shri krishna resides at that time the vani was away when she came to her senses it was time for milking the cow and she went for milking but the cow not finding its calf nearby did not yield any milk the woman felt dead scared as to how her husband and neighbors would react when they would come to know what she had done she pretended to be and told that a tiger had come killed that calf and run away with it everyone believed it to be true after some years the woman died and was taken to hell she was put to great torture there this woman was later reborn as a chandali she was very ugly as she grew up she lost her sight and became blind she was overtaken by leprosy as long as her parents were alive they took care of her and looked after her after she lost her parents there was none to take care of her she never had enough food to eat she was suffering great misery in the holy month of magh she decided to travel to gokarna 
along with a group of pilgrims from the for the festival of Shivaratri. She thought it if she accompanied them, they would give her also something to eat during the journey. But the pilgrims did not take to her kindly. On the day of the festival, too, she had to fast as none too. Sorry. On the day of the festival, too, she had to fast as none too had given her anything to eat. She received a few bilva leaves instead, which was being distributed among the pilgrims. In anger, she flung them away. Lo, the bilva, the bilva leaves, although she never intended it, fell right on the shivlinga. In a few moments after this, the woman who was famished and exhausted died. Even the last, sorry, even the least worship, either done with devotion or without devotion, knowingly or unknowingly, is enough to please Lord Shiva. Thus, the Chandali earned the favor and grace of Shiva. The merit earned by her was all the more because it happened to be done at Gokarna, the abode of Shiva's Atmalinga. And besides, that day was the holy Shivratri day. Therefore, no sooner did the woman die than Lord Shankara sent his messengers to bring her to Kailash. Hearing the narrative of the Shivadutas, the men of Yama beat a retreat, leaving the woman in the hands of the Shivadutas. Such being the glory and power of Gokarna, Gautama Rishi advised the king to go to Gokarna and do penance there and assured him that he would be thereby freed from the curse. The king, as advised by Gautama Rishi, made a pilgrimage to Gokarna, did penance there and thereby got rid of the curse. Thereafter, he lived happily with his wife, was blessed with sons and lived for a long time. So what does all these stories or leelas teach you? One is most important lesson to recap. Never get angry. Do not commit actions for which you are going to repent all your life. And any action, words or thoughts or deed once committed can never be undone. You can't take it back. So very important, weigh your words before you speak and, and ask yourself before you want to say anything, you know, is it worth it? Am I sweating small stuff? Or what is it you're going to get by saying something about someone? Why are you bothered about what they do or what they don't do? It is none of our business. You have to only focus on your spiritual growth and in your world. Don't get you know, into karmic loops or karmic debt with anyone. It is not worth it. This is what very importantly has... This, in this story, in this lesson, it is very importantly taught how not to make those, commit those errors or how not to commit those actions. But knowingly or unknowingly, if you do something which is good, which is pleasing the God, you will be blessed for it. And this is what it is being said. And most important, even though you have committed any kind of sin, but when you go and seek for pardon very sincerely from the Divine Lord Almighty, they will forgive you. So it is very important. Sometimes we commit certain mistakes knowingly or unknowingly. Learn to ask for forgiveness. Seek pardon. Be it with your Guruji or with anybody or with any Lord Almighty. Go and sincerely repent for it. And if you don't, then please remember you cannot evolve in your life at all. 
you will have to come back again and again so saying sorry we don't become small and i'll tell you one very important lesson in our world we given to so much to our ego we think we are always right we think somebody is doing something bad to us we think we are the greatest thing we don't know how to say sorry when we have done some mistake like my krishna guru ji has taught one very important lesson you you might not even have done a mistake but saying sorry you're not going to become small and especially with your guru ji if your guru ji is saying something um, you know to correct you or to you know make sure to destroy your ego even though you might be right just say yes guru ji i am sorry that is the humility you have to develop and not try to argue with your guru ji or with anybody oh i am showing how right you are and how the other person is wrong many a time the divine masters know the only thing he is trying to do is to test your ego to see whether you are going to become humble or not you know the the identity of someone becoming great is when you show your goodness by saying sorry you are not going to uh, you know you are not going to lose anything on the contrary you become great in the eyes of your guru ji please remember this with with ego we do so many things we thinks we want to spite somebody we want to show them we want to do all sorts of things doesn't help why are you are you lower than that person then what is the difference between you and them this is what my krishna guru ji asked if another person is behaving badly and if you want to equalize or try to show him then you are also becoming like him there is no difference between you and them so to to rise to become godly is to shut your mouth be humble ha huh? let the person say okay let his ego be what it is you say i am very sorry and just walk out end it right there you don't have to carry forward anything and when your guruji is telling you something be humble learn to say sorry and accept anything that he is saying and show humility that is the only way to evolve the more you try to bring your ego and arrogance thinking that you know too much you are not going to learn your guruji is going he is watching you please remember he is constantly watching you he is observing everything that you are doing you are saying the way you are behaving he is keeping account and don't discount his power okay he might not be present in front of you but he is all knowing he is watching you whether you are physically in front of him or you are not that is the greatness of these gurus a real master does this not the fake gurus in this world who has na he no vested interest in any of the students they are only there to run some conglomerates they get into all this politics they have they get into different different things which is not right it's not important to get into that and yesterday my krishna guruji taught a very beautiful lesson from das bodh and in that samarth ramdas maharaj is saying you have to learn politics from your guru how to be politically correct but doesn't mean you become political yourself no you have to learn to be politically correct which means how to speak very nicely how to be kind with everybody you don't have to antagonize anyone today we are all at each other's throat we can't see eye to eye we don't want to face few people in our life why why is that animosity jealousy avarice you know in the chapter the, in the datta avatar in that who are we talking about atriya muni and anusuya anusuya was regarded the chaste woman why was that because she had overcome all the shatripus like anger jealousy hatred avarice envy which every individual has and atremuni was had transcended the three gunas and what does that mean in the adhyatmik only when you have transcended the three gunas and when you have overcome all these tendency the vrittis the shatripus in your life 
that is when the god realization has datta is born to you as a gift datta means gift to atri one who is gifted himself that is what dattatreya means so how will datta be born in your life how will he gift your himself to you till you don't become pure so your heart is still contaminated you can't see god in anybody then how do you attain spirituality how do you attain godliness then don't keep calling yourself oh i am a spiritual this is the most abused word in today's day and age everybody thinks they're some great spiritual beings spiritual yes of spiritual also you don't know you don't know what spirituality means spirituality means knowing that i am the spirit and i am not this body and that realization can be given only by your guru guru sakshat para brahma para brahma manifests in the form of your guru and if you don't know how to have guru bhakti how to be humble how to be submissive how to obey your guru's command how to rever him respect him what what spiritual are you when you are told don't call him or address him by his first name people will continue to do the same thing you know you think you are not going to get that lesson please mark my words this is the truth you will be given your lessons you can't disrespect the guru the guruji he saying okay he knows everybody is an ignorant being he will forgive he'll say you call me anything you want it doesn't matter to him because he is not that on the contrary he is a divine lord almighty he he lets everybody you know get away with murder not because he wants them to but that is how he is he is very kind didn't you see lord shiv ji has so much grace on everybody he is always benevolent he is very forgiving such are the great divine beings but we need to give them that respect honor who being who they are we cannot treat them as some ordinary human beings cannot call him in in bhagavad gita lord shri krishna says arjuna addresses him oh madhava oh yadava you know some like in the first name it's not correct likewise we have to live everything that the guruji is teaching us it is important just saying oh i am spiritual i have my master what use is it my krishna guruji says very beautifully something you, you know people can be with me as many years as they want but till the time they themselves don't live that lessons nothing is going to happen you can call yourself spiritual you can be with me what change is going to come to you till you don't put the effort you don't make the change within yourself no change can happen but in living in the guru's presence itself is a huge opportunity to transform and to become the divine being but self effort is required from your end he is going to watch that the guru ji take you know he cares only about how much effort are you going to put put to becoming divine how much do you crave how much do you really mean that and till you don't prove that to him your worthiness then how are you going to evolve he is not going to make you progress on that path he is going to test you constantly remember this so to conclude we have to become our good self so there is no point in getting angry chant the name of the divine hari bol you know surrendered unto the lotus feet of lord shri krishna and your guru that is the only way you attain the divine guru bhakti there are no two ways about it so with this we end the chapter of gokarna stala mahatmyam and if you have the opportunity please visit this beautiful place where lord shiva's atmalinga is there so that's ends the seventh chapter of shri guru charitra describing the redeeming power of the holy gokarna kshetra glory to the all merciful the omnipresent and the ever responsive gurunath since we have 28 20 
20 minutes more. Let us begin with the next chapter. Chapter 8. Shani Pradosha Vrata Mahatmya. In this chapter, Shripad Sri Ballava teaches about the Shani Pradosha Puja Mahima to Ambika, who, who in a state of desperation came to the river with the intention of drowning herself along with her block-headed son. He narrates how a shepherd woman was born as Yashoda in her next life through the merit earned by her by, her, by merely watching the Shani Pradosha Puja and becoming the foster mother of Lord Shri Krishna. Shri Padshri Vallabha also blessed the block-headed son of Ambika and endowed him with all Shastric knowledge and wisdom. In this chapter is also described the emergence of the Mahakaleshwar Jyotirlinga as a result of the Shani Pradosha Puja done with deep devotion by the shepherd boy. So let us learn how what these stories signify. Siddha Yogi continued with the narrative of Sri Vallabha. From Gokarna, Sri Path Sri Vallabha went to Sri Sailam and did the Chaturmasya there. From there, he went to Navrati, that is Nivruti Sangam. After spending some time there, he finally came to Kurvapur. Sorry, Kurav, Kuravpur, near the present Raichur. His spiritual fame spread far and wide and devotees used to pour in for his darshan all the time. His spiritual power was such that with his mere darshan, people used to be relieved from all distress. He always radiated peace and love. The ailing used to be cured instantly. Spiritual seekers coming to him used to feel highly uplifted. His mere glance would transport people to higher realms of consciousness and fill their hearts with supreme joy and transcendental peace. At that time, there lived in Kuravpur, a learned Brahmin. His wife's name was Ambika. She gave birth to many children, but except the last one, none of the others survived. Unfortunately, the boy who survived was dull-headed. All efforts of his father to teach him were of no avail, as the boy had no grasping power at all. This was a cause of frustration and anxiety to the parents. The father died in dejection, having no support. The son and the mother were thrown into penury and had no means of livelihood. They had to take to begging and had to live a very hard and miserable life. They were disgusted with their lives and both of them decided to end their lives by throwing themselves into the river. As they approached the river bank with the object of putting an end to their lives, the woman saw Sripath Srivallab who came there for his bath. Seeing the halo around his face and the divinity in his looks, her aching heart was soothed and her desperation overcome by a newborn peace, hope and joy in her heart. The compassion and love in Sri Pada's looks changed, sorry, charged new life in her de de sorry, depressed and broken heart. She fell at his feet and vented out the anguish in her heart and said, How I wish to have a son like you in my next birth at least. So be it, mother, said Sri Vallabha. See, these are all leelas. It is all programmed. It is meant to be. 
we think that oh this is the, this is something out of the norm no all these manifestations they come to play a leela that is to impart the very profound spiritual truth in this world in this universe and here can you see the moment you come in the presence of a divine being the great master those true devotees will experience an a description it can be anything either you can you know the expression of the bodies could be you can start crying you will feel your heart is in peace it is in blissful state you will feel something beyond but don't go by what your mind is throwing see when the, when the mind talks then there is no divinity existing you can't experience anything through your mind the more your mind talks the more you need to understand everything is whatever it's a creation of your mind alone that which you think you want to see but the real experience is in a very different manner you cannot describe it that is exactly what happens here it's just an and you know the way how she felt is described and see just see how she felt seeing the halo around his face and the divinity in his looks her aching heart was soothed it this is how you feel it's it's even the feeling is still connected to the senses right you are still feeling with your mind your body with your senses but it's it that's what you can say because this experience is not cannot be described so here to make us understand they have described in some form so how how could you feel it it's your heart is your heart, depressed heart is soothed you feel some hope and what is that hope that is the grace and the divinity in his looks her aching heart was soothed and her desperation overcome by a new born peace how do you get peace nobody can give you peace that feeling that there is somebody with you that was the grace overflowing on her just by the look of it this is exactly what happens when you come in the presence of the great gurus the great masters the same thing is with my krishna guru ji the moment you come in his presence magic happens but only if you are the recipient of that grace or when you when you are a real devotee of the lord or when you are coming in some desperation when you don't know what to do there are people who come in his presence and go through different various experiences which is in their own way and this is exactly what happens magic happens but there are people who also come and look at him as an ordinary human being and that is what they are stopping that experience that they are not a recipient in receiving that grace unfortunately even though the grace is overflowing they they objected they shut the doors for the divine this is what happens then they look at him he's an ordinary human being but just see the woman saw this halo around the uh, around the guru she she experienced even though she didn't speak to him and then she ran to him that is when the grace dawns that is what it means so the grace was on her so your guru has to give you that grace to get you get that experience not otherwise and when does the grace comes the grace is there but he has to grant it for you to see him when does that happen when he knows you are spiritually deserving when you need to go when you need to get something he grants you that but he first evaluates you please remember it is not just easy and with some people he will give and see his ways why he does what he does and how he does can never be fathomed and that is something nobody is here to judge him so coming back how i wish i have 
how I wish to have a son like you in the in my next birth at least. So what does Shripat Shivalap say? So be it, mother, he added, which means this was already programmed. This is a boon he is bestowing on her because it was her innermost desire of a heart. He is fulfilling. He added, but you will have to observe a particular brata. You will have to worship Lord Maheshwara in the evenings on Trayodashi Titi days coinciding with and coming on Saturdays and is called the Shani Pradosha Puja. It is a powerful vrata and if dutifully performed, it will certainly endow you a son like Lord Krishna himself. He then narrated the following anecdote. Now one more story, story within a story. What does it mean? Ah, most important, please remember. Whatever the pariharams and we are talking about the remedies, no, which the gurus and the sages have been prescribing, this does not apply to themselves. The gurus themselves are not going to do this. And those who are on the path of spiritual, none of this applies. Because when you have surrendered to your guru, what pradosha, what shani puja, nothing he is going to prescribe. All he will prescribe is devotional service. And there is a beautiful chapter which you will be studying, uh, reading in Uddhav Gita which my Krishna Guruji is now expounding on. And in that, Lord Sri Krishna has very lovingly explained how do you do a, how do you perform a devotional service and which is a part of those who are on spiritual path. So here, none of these pariharams apply to us. This is only in the material world. That's something you need to understand. And the great masters will just watch them, but they'll never do any of these things. They don't even recommend any of these things. This is only if you have some desires you want. So they have all these, you know, the whole... No, this is how it works. I'm just going to give from a corporate world example. So Lord Sri Krishna is the super boss. He's, he's, an example could be, we can take him as the chairman of this world, you know, of this entire universe. He's the master who's created. So he holds that entire company. Under him, there are designated people. Like there is a CFO. CFO is chief finance officer who is nothing but Lakshmi. There is human resources and training. So that is education and human resources, which is Saraswati. Similarly, then there is a CEO who's responsible to take care of the world like that. In, in this world, in the divine Lord's world as well, he has his deities and the small g, the gods, the small gods who are, you know, have their own domains, who look after these functions. So the Lord Almighty himself is not connected. He is not going to grant anything. But he'll say, you do this particular puja, you go to Lakshmi and you ask for it, she will grant you. So it is not my department. Similarly, you want education, go to not, uh, Goddess Saraswati, she will grant you. So like that, you have different functions. So the Lord himself is not connected with any of the things. He is not going to personally do anything. So likewise, you need to understand. And if you go into this asking, they are going to get entangled in that world. That is why Lord Sri Krishna says, when you go to God, only seek God. Just say thank you. And just say, let your grace always be on me. Beyond that, you don't have to go and ask for anything. So, but in the world, when you need something, this is how it works. Some that when they say go ask or go, you know, speak with this being or go ask this God, then they will grant you. Other when, when they grant you what happens, then you get into the karma as well. So just accept life and only seek for that grace and for you to able to overcome whatever challenges that might come on your path, on your life, in your life. That is all you have to seek. So 
I hope it is clear. So no great gurus will ever perform any of these pujas. They are not even interested in anything. Why? Because all the gods and goddesses vest within them. So when you worship the guru, you are worshipping everything, every god on the planet earth. That is what we forget. We think we, are, we have to go worship some idol out there. No. See, all these places have come into existence so that there can be a god, the godliness can be established on this planet earth for the people to follow a righteous path, not for anything else. And the only time they will go to God is because they want something. If you look at everything here, it is either, you know, overcoming some sins, overcoming your karmas, or you want some grace to be granted to you, or you want something for your son, daughter, husband, wife, marriage, job, money. If you look at it, all these things are only about desires and your wants. So why, where is the Guru concerned in this? He is not bothered. He is there only for, he cares only about your spiritual being. But he is also very benevolent. He shows you a path. He says you go to this puja and you will get that benefit. That is his job. But the Guru is not here to grant you these personal favours. He is not. But like you need to understand, but when you have the real Guru, he, he will give you that, he will bestow upon you, which is sinless. And that which you deserve. And that much which is sufficient for you to lead your life. Nothing more, nothing less. Please remember, when you get more, you will go away. You will go out of that path of spiritual world. You will get carried into the material world entanglements. You will get into bondage. That is why they will always say, don't ask for things that you don't know what can happen to you. So just let it be. Okay, so here we are going to begin another big story. I don't want to start because we are already at the end of the hour. So we'll stop with this over here and continue this story that which um, Sripath Srivallab is now going to narrate to this lady. Okay, with that we stop at uh, the Shani Pradosha Vratam Mahatmya chapter 8. We will continue from where we stop tomorrow. Thus, Ends, I have not ended the chapter. So, glory to the all-merciful, the omnipresent and the ever-responsive Guru Nath. Thank you for joining. Sai Sat, sorry, Shri Guru Charitra Parayan. I hope you all have a wonderful day ahead. Om Shri Mahaganapate Namaha, Om Shri Gurudev Datta, Om Shri Sajidananda Sadguru, Sainath Maharaj Ki Jai, Om Namo Bhakivade Vasudevaya, Digambara Digambara, Shri Padvallava Digambara, Om Shri Krishna Guru Nathanatha, Shri Guruve Namaha, Om Devi Durgai Namaha, Om Shri Krishna Arpanam Namastu, Krishnam Vande Jagat Guru.